This is Motor Mania. Now shut up and drive. On Dubai I 103.8. Hello, yes, it's, this is the only interactive show in the UAE. Welcome to Motor Mania. We'll give you all the motoring advice, the talk about what's happening in the car world, and let you have a voice on road safety issues. We will be keeping you company all the way and through until noon. Here's what's coming up on today's show, giving you updates on all the Formula One action. And if you are planning to get a new car for the new year or want to buy one for someone else you love over the festive season, this one's for you. Shangiata will be joining me in the studio and we share each other's top 10 cars for 2022. What, when is the best time to buy a new car? When are all the bargains? Discussing all that and more from now until 12. But uh, if you are planning to sell your car, we have just the expert to give you no-nonsense advice. It is Matthew Davison from, uh, from Algo Driven with a bit of... Uh... Fix it or flip it. He is here to tell you all you need to know about your car and also to tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? Well, it's easy. We need the details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. But uh, I'm not doing it all on my own. I'm joined by valuation guru Matthew Davison, who is the head of pricing for Algo Driven. And uh, Matthew's on the line once again. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Damien. How are you this, uh, this fine Saturday morning? Just like you, excited for this weekend, probably the biggest F1 race in a long, long time. It's going to be, uh, yes, I'm getting a little nervous already leading up to it because it is the big title showdown between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Um, First time in 47 years that we've had drivers go to the final round tied on points. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm feeling a bit nervous about this one. (laughs) I'm nervous for you. I mean, I don't think from a commentary perspective it gets any bigger. I mean, I'm nervous as a fan watching. I mean, I'm four decades into watching F1. I think the first race I watched was 79. Um, And uh, I I think uh, over all of those decades, it was the Prost and Senna battles and era um, that was only beating what we've currently got. I mean, this this battle between Max and Lewis is just fantastic. It, it really is amazing, and it's been an absolute privilege to to call the season this year. And of course, the big news, uh, well, one of one of the the, the feature items is that uh, Yas Marina has sold out, so uh, tickets are gone. Which means that if you do want to catch all the action, you're going to have to listen to me again this afternoon and tomorrow and Sunday uh, with Phil Anson on uh, on NBC Action. We catch all the action there live. Um, but I'll be back on the radio too, talking with the guys later on from the grill as well, giving people an update on Dubai Eye. So yeah, it's it's a big one. Um, and there is so much hype and activity down there. It's fantastic. Yas is now re-signed for a, for a further extension. We'll be racing here until 2030. Um, the drivers loving the new track layout. There's so much to look forward to, Matt. Yeah, and what a privilege for the UAE to host uh, this finale. I mean, the whole world is going to be watching. I've got friends in the States, and they, they say, you know, even with the time difference, they're, they're getting together and they're going to watch the race people in Europe, people in the Far East. I mean, as I said, I think this is this is as big a race as you're going to get in, in the last few decades. So, yeah, I, I think the to have it here in, in the UAE during our 50th uh, Golden Jubilee, what, what a fitting finale. Oh, absolutely, and, uh, and, and the place looks fantastic. So, uh, yeah, if you are down there, well done. Good luck. Um, if you aren't, then tune in and li- either listen or watch us later on this afternoon. Uh, but in the meantime, Matthew, it's time to crack on because we've got uh, text messages starting to come through. And the first one that comes through is from Ansi. And Ansi says that my neighbour scratched my car but won't admit to it. 
happened last Tuesday and the watchman uh, witnessed it. What do I have to do to prove it? We live in an apartment building and we park right outside. Thank you. Um, what would be your advice on that one? What a great question. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's, I always like to resolve things with the individual. I mean, if you're, if you're pretty sure, I would just, you know, in a very calm and collected manner, of course, just say, look, you know, accidents happen. Um, you know, this is my car. I, I need to get it fixed. I can't get a scratch on. Look, let me get some quotes to see what it will cost to, to fix and, and let's discuss it further. If they're really um, not playing ball after that very kind approach, I mean, what you consider doing, you can consider doing is filing a case in in the police station um, and, and having the, the watchman as a witness. And I think just just uh, that filing of the case might be enough to, to resolve this. Um, and then lastly, if, um, you know, if you've got full, fully comprehensive insurance, you can claim on your insurance and, and get the scratch fixed. You will, play, you will pay whatever excess is on your policy. So you might have a 250 or 500 Durham excess. But I think they're your three options. And, and hopefully uh, option number one, with you explaining what will happen in, with option number two, should uh, hopefully resolve it. Yeah, I think. I mean, if if there's uh, if there's video um, evidence with the with the watchman, that that might help you a little bit. But you'll still need the the details with you in terms of uh, if if there's a registration number of the other car, that sort of thing. Otherwise, as you say, it might be a little bit. Um, it, it might just be easier just to go through the insurance situation and and get it sorted out. Sure, sure. But this, there's some options there. As I say, route one, go and have that conversation yeah. with, a, with a person and say, look, I, I'll, I'll do the legwork. I'll get a quote. Um, if, if they don't play ball, just at the end of it, just say, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go to route two, which is filing a, a case at the police station. And hopefully they, uh, they may re-engage and resolve it. But I hope it, hope it gets resolved because it's, you know, we all work really hard here um, to get these nice things and, and nobody likes to see them damaged. So hopefully it's resolved. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I hope that, uh, I hope that help, helps you, uh, Ansi. It gives you some ideas. Uh, we also had Safraz who says, uh, Morning, guys. I have a 2018 Mazda 6S. It is silver and it's done 18,000 kilometres. Do I fix it or flip it? Well, there's, there's hopefully nothing to fix on a 2018 Mazda. Um, I mean, the 6 is, is a great um, sedan that's... Um, always going to sell well here. I mean, if you, if you want to sell it with, with 18,000 kilometers, it's going to, going to be still under warranty. And I think that cost is going to be maybe 78, 80,000 dirhams. Mm. Um, but certainly I, w- I wouldn't consider selling that car um, unless you're falling out of love with it because you've got a few more years on the warranty and the kilometers are so low. Um, you could put another 20, 30,000 kilometers on that car and it wouldn't really affect things when you sell it in a couple of years' time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we've got on the line, we've got uh, Riyadh. Riyadh, you have a Nissan Maxima, I believe? Yes, Nissan Maxima, 2011. Okay, so what, are you looking to uh, get a value, sell it? Tell us a little bit about the, the spec. It's, uh, what, what, have you, what have you got there? Um, I mean, it's, it has 182,000 kilometres, still in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a few repairs done uh, recently. I think the car is telling me... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm repairing it several times. So it's time for me to uh, to get rid of it. I also, uh, you know, have a new uh, another kid, and I need space in the car. It's not a good car for 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 a large family. So, so I decided I'm going to sell it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. 2011 model, uh, Matthew, the uh, the Nissan Maxima. 
Yeah, morning, Riyadh. I mean, that's really great kilometers for a 10-year-old car, 80, 82,000. I mean, 8,000 a year is, is really no, good. 182,000. Oh, 182. Oh, I take it back. That's, that's a little bit more than that, but still not massively out of, of kilter for, for the age. I mean, 18,000 a year. Um, I mean, you're looking probably around 20K will be the value. Maybe it's, it might stretch to 21, 22,000. Um, if it's starting to cost you money, yeah, it is good to start looking at selling this car. And I think, you know, worst case scenario, you could put this car out on the market at 19000 fixed price and it would sell relatively quickly. And that then that will give you some money to put towards what seems to be an SUV that you need with the family. Yeah. Do you think I'll get the same price if I put it to, to one of these companies that buy your car immediately or they would pay less for it? Well, you have to look at how their model works. I mean, you've, you've got two people now in the food chain. You've got the company that self that need to make money, the, 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 the buying the car company, and then the dealer that they're going to sell it for has got to make their money. So that typically you'd be looking at two, three thousand that this company would take, although they tell you they make no money. Of course, they make money. They take it from the dealer end of the deal. And then that dealer's got to make at least five, six thousand dirhams to make it worth their while. So I'd be surprised if you've got 10 or 11,000 for that car. If you, if you took it out, your best bet is to put it out on Facebook and all the popular car sites like Doobie Cars, Yala Motor, Divisal, et cetera. Um, as I say, if you want to move it quite quickly, 19,000 dirhams, but I think you may even get 2021 for it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Great. Thank, thanks, Riyadh. Gaston has been in touch with us. He has a 2018 Infiniti Q70 luxury model. It's black, and the mileage is around uh, 23,000 kilometers. Um, what do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I like the, I like the Q70. Mm. Um, I mean... Infinities, we've talked about this many times on the show. Infinities do really well here. Probably, I would say, I don't know the numbers, but I know regionally wise, um, you know, the UAE serves Infinity very well. Um, what were the kilometers? Sorry? Uh, 23,000, uh, around 23,000. Yeah, yeah, for a 2018, yeah. I mean, that car would probably be up towards 90,000, 92,000. Um, again, another car which will still have a couple of years warranty and super super low kilometers. So if you, if you don't need to sell it, I'd extract some more value from it and drive it for another 18 months at least. Yeah, the Infinity brand's a bit of a sleeper in terms of resale values because we're, we're one of the very few export markets for it. I think it goes to, to mainly the United States, but also Russia and here. Um, and that's about it. So, uh, But it's a, it's a great vehicle. It's a great brand. It's a, the quality is really good. And, um, but, you know, the, it's good value. They, they, you can get them for, for pretty, good, uh, pretty good money. Yeah, and, and, and we, you know, we trust them. Um, that that's the thing with Infinity. Yeah. We 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 we're so used to the Japanese models here, so we know it. We know it. It's a luxury brand, and we trust it. That's why it sells well here. Yeah, because it's part of the part of the Nissan Empire. So you've got uh, all that backing behind you. Uh, the other side of the fence from that, of course, is um, is a 2017 Lexus LX570. This is from Halima, uh, who says it's a premier edition, also with 23,000 kilometres. Yeah, see, these are really, really uh, holding their value at the moment because they're difficult to get hold of. There's not a huge amount of inventory on the market. I mean, it's their their big flagship SUV. Um, and in terms of uh, with those kilometers, I would say that costs around 300, maybe uh, 290, something like that. Uh, they've held their 
their value incredibly well during this last 12 months with the with the car shortages but yeah a good time to sell because you you're now going into the last year of warranty as well and it's never going to be as valuable as it is right now it'll start to fall off once the warranty disappears so yep cash in now while you've got the chance yeah and of course the new lx is coming next year too so uh, that's a new whole new body shape as well so you know that's another issue that maybe people are thinking of their current shape it might be a time to uh to, to think about moving them on now because you know when a new body shape comes it does take a bit of a hit doesn't it yeah, you're exactly right. And that is a fine beauty. That is a really nice car. Um, you know, you look at this this luxury SUV segment. I mean, obviously, Range Rover have come storming in and everybody's talking about the new mm. Range Rover. But let's not dismiss the new Lexus uh, LX because I think that is a, a beautiful car, particularly inside. Yeah, absolutely. Fix it. I'm a bit slow on that one. Or flip it. <laughs> Fix it or flip it. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it is worth. How does it work? Well, it's very easy. We need details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send them to 4001 via the ARN Play app or better still, just give us a call, 04871 and we'll uh, pass you straight on to our valuation guru, Matthew Davison, who is the head of pricing at Algo Driven and Matthew, I'm going to go straight to the line here because I've got Saeed on the phone and Saeed has an Audi A4 2010 model. Uh, no major repair work, Saeed, but uh, I believe your family is growing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell us a little about your A4, uh, Saeed. Actually, I have uh, Audi A4 2010, uh, full option, and uh, I'm using it like from last uh, almost one and a half years. So it is running pretty fine. I didn't find any major issue with it. But now family is growing, so I'm curious how much if I sell this one and I need an SUV. Okay. Is it the four-cylinder or the V6? Four-cylinder. Okay. Matthew, what do you think about that? Yeah, the 1.8 turbo, I believe. Um, No, 2.0 turbo. It's a two-liter, is it? Okay. They've they've got several engines. Um, this one, I think you're looking around 16, 17,000 dirhams. Um, you're very lucky you've had no um, work done uh, for an 11-year-old car with that kind of kilometers. So you, you're being very smart looking to sell the car right now. Uh, I, as I said, I think the value is around 16,000, 17,000. Put it out on the market for 18, 19. Expect a couple of thousand of negotiation uh, and you should, you should be okay. But again, um, really is the right time to sell this car yeah and uh, regarding suv which one will be the better option for this do you need five seats or seven five yeah i'd look at something pretty reliable um you, you know like a honda like i think the honda civic is is a mid-size that would uh that would suit you quite well um it, it, you, you need reliability and you need value for money. So you, you're going to go down the Japanese route or the Korean route. You could look at things like uh, the Sportage as well, the Kia Sportage, which is, is going to give you that SUV feel with five seats. It's going to be affordable as well. What do you think, Damien? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the um, – you, you look at the Japanese, look at the Koreans uh, as as dependable. It's kind of in that middle area where you've got uh, – you've got comfort quality and and reliability um it kind of breaches the the european to the chinese kind of uh brands and and that's the sweet spot so absolutely thanks thanks a lot no problem so for sure 
No problem, Sade. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I owned one of those uh, Audis, Matthew, and I found that it was a very low, stre- under-stressed engine. So uh, the high mileage really didn't impact it so much. I've spent very, very little on maintenance on that car, and it just went forever because it's just a sleeper. It just plods along, you know, and um, and I was getting nearly 900 kilometres out of a tank of gas out of it at the time too. So, uh, yeah, high mileage, but but they're not uh, not stressed kilometres in those cars. Yeah, and, and I think it always matters how you accumulate those kilometres as well and how you drive. Yeah. Um, uh, it, I've seen over the years, I've seen quite a few as they get older suffer from, you know, traditional oil leaks and a few suspension issues. But I think if he's, um, you know, he's bought it recently, so so he wouldn't have paid a huge amount of money for it. And he's exiting quite soon as well. So if he if he can manage that without actually putting much money into the car, then he's played it really well. as And, and now he can move up to that SUV as we as we discussed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've got a text here from Ruba. And this is a, a discussion that comes up quite often in this region. And Ruba says, hey, my dad wants to buy me a car, but he wants it in white. It's a Nissan Altima. He says it's more attractive to buyers in the future. Is he right on that? But I want it in metallic red. How often have we had this discussion with various people? <laughs> oh, and no, no one, no one wants somebody to say their dad's a smart guy, but your dad's a smart guy. I mean, yes, whenever you buy a car, this is what nobody seems to do. Picture yourself selling that car one day, yeah, because that helps. That actually helps you buy a car. When you stand there and you think, right, one day I'm going to be the seller of this car. So when you pick sort of out there colors, you've got to find out there buyers. I mean, when you pick a white car, you, it's, yes, it's plain, it's vanilla, it's boring, but it's the one that will sell the most. And, and, I, and this is an, also a great stat. Reds um, are more likely to be in an accident than any other color. This is, this is what research has shown. So, um, yeah, your dad's smart. I would say stick with the white. Yeah, you can, you can look this up. I mean, they've done studies over the years, and for some reason, red cars tend to, to be in accidents more than any other color. Yeah, and but it gets down to the age-old question, doesn't it? I mean, and Ruber, if I know you're listening, if if you're looking to keep the car for yourself, then get whatever colour you like. But if you're thinking about, as you say, Matthew, you've got to sell it in time, then you know a white car will sell in in ten seconds, and uh, and it will get, and you'll probably get a better price as well. So it depends on whether you're looking to to run this car forever, or if you're looking to to upgrade in in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So it's um it's heart versus head again, and uh, and head always says white because that's gonna you're gonna sell it quickly and get the most for it. Yeah, and, and you've got other benefits as well. Obviously, it's a color that isn't as effective as much by the heat as, say, a black car. Yeah, yeah. So, so Absolutely. look um, from from my point of view, uh, your last comment is a very valid one as well. People that buy cars and they think, right, I'm going to hold this long term or even run it into the ground. Yeah, pick whatever color you want. It's your car. Um, you know, that's that's uh, the 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 great thing about buying a car that you, you want to keep longer term you can do whatever you want to it without any worries but yeah if it's going to get sold again which it sounds like it will if it's if it's the first or or you know one of the first cars you buy then you should be a bit more careful about it yeah yeah absolutely and uh from white to white another white car this is from fatima this time and it's a ford focus 2018 model with fifty-five thousand kilometers um yeah i mean again talk about one that will sell in in next to no time yeah, yeah. If it's if it's something like the Trend, uh, 2018 Focus Trend, I think they'll they'll do about 42, 43,000 in the market. Um, you know, you see a lot of uh, Focus STs come on uh, because they're manual and people drive them for a while, enjoy the manual as- aspect, and then get 
caught a few times in some traffic jams and realize it's, it's not for them. Uh, and then they're, they're restricted with the amount of buyers out there that, that will take a manual car. But the standard automatic focus trend will sell very, very quickly. And, and that one around 42, 43. Yeah, yeah, of course. As Christina did, uh, who has a 2017 Mitsubishi Lancer EXGLS blue with 86,000 kilometres. Yeah, I remember last week we were talking about these because the, yeah. how, how expensive they're getting as a rental car. <laughs> exactly, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, this, this in the market right now will sell for about 35,000 and, and it will sell very, very quickly um, because there's people – I was chatting to another friend this week and uh, he just can't buy a car at the moment. He's, he's really struggling. He wants a Cayman, um, but it, there's just not any inventory out there. And, and this is why you've got to be careful at the moment. You don't underprice your cars because they will sell very quickly. Definitely hold on to 35000 if you put that in the market. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that'll um – um um, I mean, yeah, you can hold out for those a little bit and they will they will hang in there. As, as I think this one would also, and this is from Anthony, it's a 2016 Nissan Sunny SV. It's Again, it's white with 68,000 kilometres. Rinse and repeat, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, top, top spec, the SV. I mean, the standard Sunny would sell for about 18, 19, but the SV would command with those kilometres around 25,000. Um, yeah, and it will sell quick exactly what people want i mean look if you, if you even if you're looking for a car short term uh, and you're looking at what people are charging for rental at the moment you could buy that yeah. drive it for 10, 10 months only and uh, that that's what the higher car would have cost you and then you're left with even if the car depreciated seven eight thousand you're absolutely financially better off doing that yeah absolutely now we've got on the line we've got uh we've got bill um who has uh his wife's old pajero as he describes it 2012 model uh, good morning, Bill. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. So uh, I, I believe that uh, you're retiring and going back to the UK and thinking of whether yep. to pass the car. Tell us a little bit about the car. And yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a choice of either sell it or um, pass it on to the sort of grandkids of the run around. Okay, so it's, uh, it's a 2012 model, a uh, long wheelbase, yep. I understand, 65,000. Yeah, um, yep, it's the, so it's the, it's the V6, I guess. Yes. Okay. Uh, Matthew, what do you think? 65,000 kilometres? Oh, and it's got new tyres too, Bill. New tyres as well, yeah, this year. There you so go, 20, 20, 20, 2012 Pajero, yeah, with yep. 62,000 kilometres? 65. 65. Yeah. This, this, this will sell faster than you could ever imagine because there's, there won't be many Pajeros out there that have done 65,000 kilometres, 2012 anyway. I mean, the the traditional price of that car with normal kilometres, which would be double that around 120, would be about 35,000. Um, I, I think this car will be closer to 40, 42. Um, and it will sell quickly because you're just not going to get many Pajeros with those sort of kilometres on. And you've just obviously put new tyres on as well, which is worth several thousand dirhams for the buyer. So um, try it initially at about 42,000. I think okay. worst case scenario, you put that car at 39 and you're getting a lot of phone calls. Okay, I'll negotiate my grandsons first. No problems. Okay, <laughs> yeah. thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks, thanks very much for that, uh, for that Bill. Um, and uh, quickly, we've got Christina, 2017 Mitsubishi Lancer EX GLS Blue with 86,000 kilometres. This the, the Lancer we just did. Oh, sorry, we've yeah. done that. Okay, let's yeah. move down. Yeah, we're, um, we're flying through them we're, today. We're, we're getting through them quickly, yes. Yeah. So um, what do you think of the Suzuki Jimny, asks Nia. 
Oh, well, the new one is, yeah. is a hit, isn't it? I mean, how long was it before you could even get one? There was a huge waiting list, and they, they bumped up the engine to a 1.54-cylinder after I think the previous was a 1.3, so it pushes over 100 brake horsepower. It's, it's no rocket off the lights, but they're just... They just look fantastic. I mean, people have been converting them into mini G-Wagons as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like them. Uh, I think they're a cool little car. Um, if, you've, if you've got if – it, if it's just for moving around the city in, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I wouldn't have expectations from a power perspective or – or um, it's not going to be something that you're going to pound the the dunes in because it's you know it's an underpowered car. But just for bombing around town in, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And they're they're light and nimble too, which was just great. Also for for dunes, I like I personally I, I love them. I think there's a there's a place in the market for them. Fix it or flip it. So tell us about your car, and uh, we'll tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? It's so easy. All you need to do is give us the details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Of course, I can't do it all on my own. I am joined here by valuation guru Matthew Davison, who is the head of driving at uh, uh, sorry head of pricing at Algo Driven. Matthew, um, now I've got someone here straight up who's uh, sent us in a uh, a message, and it's uh, it's it's Bilal. Let's have a listen to this. I'm looking for a full-size pickup truck, um, the four-door type, like an Avalanche, Chevy Avalanche, or one of those old-style uh, Cadillac Escalades that they no longer produce, I think. I, and I believe there's others. Maybe you guys can share a few names. There's a Silverado. There's, there's some others. But basically, full-size four-door pickup, the cabins. Which one would you recommend? What's best out here? What models are available? I, I just need it for a spare third car, um, and I want to use it in the desert. So I'm aiming at something robust, something strong. I also don't care how old or how many kilometers are on it, as long as it's in good condition. Uh, any considerations that I need to be aware of, something that I'm going to have difficulty insuring or anything like that, do you have any recommendations? I've seen some advertised in the 30,000 Durham range, so around 30 to 40, if I can get away with something like that. So there you go, Matthew. Uh, full-size uh, mostly, I guess, US um, uh, pickups for or, or for uh, for off roading. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably if if I was there, I'd pick the Avalanche or the Silverado over the Escalade. I just mm. think the Escalade is is um, just too heavy and not as capable. I throw in the GMC Sierra and yeah. probably the the Ford F one fifty. They all seem to to tick the the check uh, box for for what he's requiring. Um, I suppose the biggest difficulty is is um, getting one at that price point. It's going to be pretty reliable that you don't have to spend too much money on 35, 30, 35K. Um, the best bang for buck will probably come from the F-150 yeah. um, or, or the Sierra. Um, but, yeah, I, I, would, I would go with Avalanche, Sierra, uh, F-150 um, and the Silverado and just try and get the cleanest one you can under your, under your budget of 30, 35. Yeah, exactly. I was going to. I was gonna, also going to suggest the uh, the F series Fords as well because that's um, it's it's all in the ballpark as well. And uh, yeah, a couple of years old. Yeah, there's a lot out there for for around about that price range if you're prepared to get one with a few miles on the clock. Yeah, you'll you'll need to. I'd rather have a higher kilometre one that 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 is running well yeah. than one that's you know that might have a few less kilometres because because this doesn't sound like a car. He's going to uh, get rid of any time soon. It, it will probably um, see the the final days with him. So he's better off just going for one that's that's mechanically electrically sound, um, regardless of the kilometres. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope that helps, uh, Bilal. And and on the US train, um, Alini has also has a GMC Sierra 2019 AT4 model, uh, as in AT letter for number four, not 84, uh, double cabin with 98,000 kilometres. Yeah, out of his price range, that one would be about 145, could even touch 150. Um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful truck, beautiful pickup. Yeah, and before we cross the line, one more in the US. Uh, a couple have just come through right together, and it's uh, Leslie, a 2016 Cadillac Escalade. So we're literally just talking about that one. 102,000 kilometres, pearl white with no scratches. Yeah, I mean, a 16 will still do good money with those kilometres, around 150, mm. 155,000 dirhams, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is why we excluded it from that last question, because this is a big big heavy car it's it's made for for roaming around the urban streets it's not really uh one that i would consider taking into the desert yeah and it's a popular color the pearl white but also i imagine it would be one that would be um fairly costly if you do get the scratches down the side when you go through the desert and dunes and things uh to try and match up those that some of those pearlescent colors can be quite expensive yeah exactly exactly uh stick to the it's stick to the city streets and you'll be fine yeah exactly exactly so we're crossing now to the line we've got mark on the line uh and he's asking us on the thoughts of our chinese brands uh good morning mark hi how are you yeah good thanks good thanks so you're you're looking at um perhaps looking at getting in one of the chinese brands you mentioned mg and havel changan uh is it is it you're looking for budget or you're looking at because of um they're new on the market no, um, actually, I owned one of the cards from Chang'an. I, I, I recently bought one. It, it, it's driving okay, actually. I, I feel like it's, it's okay for now. It, I, it's, it's done, it's done less than one, 10,000 K kilometer. And, um, so I was, I, I was thinking that why, why other people are just having bias probably against this Chinese brand. Some people, they, they think probably Chinese brands are not reliable. But uh, because I'm, I'm also new to this car, so I don't know how long it will last. Yeah, I mean, there, there is that stigma that's been going around for, for a while, but they're improving enormously. And if you look at the fact that, okay, you've mentioned those Chinese brands, but then also uh, the other Chinese brands that, that, that are luxury brands, such as, uh, such as Volvo and Polestar and, you know, the, these kind of companies are building fantastic stuff at the moment. So, you know, they really are picking up a very, very quickly in that regard. Um, I haven't driven the Chang'an or the Havel, but I have spent a bit of time with a couple of MG models. And uh, yeah, admittedly, with a, with, a, with, a, with a caveat, they were brand new, but uh, I thought they were great. I thought they were really good. Matthew, what, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what are your take on those um, Chinese cars at that end of the price range, Matthew? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that people, um, you know, uh, have got any kind of anti-Chinese uh, you know, thoughts. It's just that they're, it's the unknown. They're so new. I, I, I can give you some reassurance that Kia and Hyundai 15 years ago had the same kind of thing. Oh, I don't want to touch those cars. Exactly. Um, and now when you look at what they're producing, some of, some of the best cars on the market right now. So, you know, I think if I did go down the Chinese route, I'd be thinking of resale value. And uh, MG is obviously the one to pick because they, they bought that British heritage, you know, a hundred year heritage of, of MG. And, and I think, look, the car is really fantastic for the money you're paying. Yeah. And I do stress that when you look at the RX-8, 
come starts around 85,000 and the Lux model around 115,000. And what you get for that car, you know, full leather, Apple CarPlay, uh, Android, uh, full panoramic roof. I mean, beautiful car, seven seats. So, um, yeah, I think if I did go Chinese, I would definitely go down the route of MG. Um, and I think when you look at what China are doing at the moment, particularly on the EV side with Neo Absolutely. and Xpeng, mm. uh, they're going to fly the they're going to fly the flag for for the Chinese brand. So I I would say watch this space, and if you are considering right now, probably play the safe card and and go for MG because that will be known to people when you come to resell it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think too, Matthew. I mean, in terms of electric vehicles, uh, China is is really leading the way with with so many brands that we don't even see here yet, but. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Mark, what, what do you think about that? I, I would love to see more Chinese electrical vehicles here, actually. I, I love those designs. Mm. Yeah, the, the, and, uh, go on. Yeah, the, the, there are brands that um, I, I see every day on the news that's not available here. And those, those models are, I, I, I mean, they're fantastic. Then. They're probably cheaper than, than Tesla, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you you got to remember too. China is such a huge market that that, that most of their vehicles are just sold domestically. They don't uh, worry about exporting. So you know, and there's some incredible stuff that's sold there internally. So uh, yeah, but as you say, Matthew, I'm I'm old enough to remember when we were saying this about Toyotas and the early Corollas in the '70s. So you know, that's the way the the, the world is moving. And I'd say definitely, uh, Mark, that um, uh, yeah. Definitely have a yeah, look at the MG and give give that a shot. Cool, cool, Thank great. You. Thank thanks very much, and uh, we'll go uh, straight to uh, to Sean now. Sean has a Ford Edge. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this one, Sean. It's a 2016 model. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I just picked it up earlier this year. It was straight from the pre-owned garage, and the, the background of it is that apparently it's just been held with the dealer uh, that whole time. So I'm the first sort of private owner, if you like. Um, so it's only got about uh, just over 8,000 kilometres on the clock. Uh, it's a sport, all-wheel drive, EcoBoost. Okay, Matthew, 8,500 kilometres. What do you think about 2016? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few of these situations pop up. I remember uh, a couple of years ago there was um, a bunch of Nissan Xterras that were originally earmarked for the police, but they didn't take delivery of them. So they were just sat around till um, 2019 and sold to zero kilometers. And recently I saw a, a lot of Hyundais come over um, that were 2016 with zero kilometers. So these things happen, but you're the beneficiary of them. Um, that car with those kilometers would be 95, maybe even pushing um, 97, 98 uh, I think all day long you're selling that car for 90. I mean, worst case scenario, that car is flying out the door at 90. Um, but if you can if you can keep hold of it for a bit longer and extract some of that value from it, because that will hold its value into next year with those low kilometers. Yeah, no, great. I, mean, I don't have any intention of getting rid of it. I, I love the car, but I just thought I'd, I'd call up and see what the, uh, the scenario would be. As you say, it's a bit sort of unique not, not necessarily not heard of but uh yeah i was kind of just curious as to what the what the opinion would be yeah well let's just say you keep it for another 18 months um and yeah. you put thirty thousand kilometers on it so it's at thirty-eight thousand kilometers now that car's still going to sell for 70 75 uh, yeah. so it, it's worth extracting that little bit of value um that you've got from it and keeping it for a bit longer yeah great stuff thanks for that fix it 
or flip it. Yes, yeah, so tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth and how does it work. It's so easy. We need the details about your car. Give us the make, the model, the year, the colour and the mileage. And of course, I am doing this with Matthew Davison, who is our valuation guru and the head of pricing at Algo Driven. Um, now, Matthew, I'm going to go straight to a text here, uh, a dilemma that we've got um, from, uh, from, from, a, from a listener. Um, Having never owned a car in Dubai, now thinking about getting one, uh, I have the choice. There's uh, there are decent cars for like around forty five to fifty thousand dirhams. A pre owned Audi A four two thousand and fifteen, or BMW three sixteen i two thousand and fifteen. My heart is saying BMW or Audi. What 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 do you what oh. do you think? <laughs> I got two friends that one's an Audi nut and one's a BMW nut, and doesn't matter what these two car manufacturers do they're always at each other my friends um look i'd probably slightly move towards bmw um, okay I, I, if the two cars were there i'd probably just about move to bmw uh it, it's very close between them i mean they, yeah. they both do the job and and styling wise and and reliability where do you see yourself would you walk towards the audi or the bmw i'm more of an audi guy i think out of this one um because i mean i've as I said earlier i've owned one before and had no issues with it whatsoever but i just find with the 316i it uh, it just it, it lacks a bit of grunt it lacks uh, what 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 you need under the right foot compared i mean the audi, the audi is no firecracker either but i just find that it has a bit more low down torque um and a bit more space inside in, in, in compared to the two or 316 which is based on the the smaller three series shapes so i'd be leaning towards the audi on this one yeah i'm, I'm presuming they both have the the entry level engines as well um but yeah it's 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 really really uh difficult um and and everyone's got their preferences but uh yeah I, as i said I, I just about get the bmw thinking also of, of resale as well yeah well speaking of bmws on the line now we've got mark mark you've got a particularly nice one a 2003 bmw m3 uh with carbon black laguna seeker blue interior smg gear tell us more about it hey gents yeah it's a car i've owned since new uh, about 20 years old now so uh the coupe fantastic car runs beautifully fantastic interior that laguna seeker blue is you know unbeatable and, uh, you know, at the beginning of these uh, appreciation curves, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what we see the C46 doing in the coming years. Yeah, it's a good one, Mark. 2003 M3 uh, and a new set of Pirellis, too, I understand. So uh, what do you think, Mark? Um, and the M3, uh, the now 2003, that's the first SMG gearbox, I think. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, um, yeah. So, Mark, uh, and, and yeah, so, so yeah. Uh, Matthew, what, what do you think? I mean, what a car, first of all. I mean, um, I don't even want to even give you ideas of selling this car. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it only appreciates um, – uh, I'd love a manual. I'd love, absolutely love a manual mm. uh, and just to, just to stick it away. Um, in terms of value, very difficult to value because it's always, it's always in, 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 in the eyes of what people are prepared to pay because you're not going to find that car online. I think uh, yours would be a standout car if you put it out there, and, and it wouldn't be sold the traditional ways. You'd you'd get into the um, the BMW groups on social media, etc., and, and and start networking to sell this car. I, I would I would put its value currently around a hundred thousand dirhams, maybe uh, one hundred and ten. But you know, if somebody if somebody came along and wanted that car, and you said one fifty, if they desperately wanted it, they'd probably pay it. Um, 
Yeah. But uh, it'd be, it'd be, it, you know, to answer the original question, will it appreciate? Yes, it will. Uh, if it's in great condition, it will appreciate and it, it might be one that you might consider hanging on to if you can. Yeah, I think, Mark, it's the E46 model. Is that correct, uh, 2003? Yeah, that's correct with the yeah. uh, S54 engine. Yeah, so definitely that's an appreciating one in, in M3 land. Um, yeah, I mean, 100,000 dirhams right now, you, you'll, you'll be getting more than that in time. So uh, um, I know because keep, I keep a close eye on M3. I like them myself. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those ones at the moment. It's a little bit of a sleeper out there. The E36 is a sleeper, but that's starting to climb now. The E46, the one that, the, your one that replaced it, is, um, is the one that's just hanging in there ready to, ready to climb. So, uh, yeah, you've, you've got a nice car there. And, and gents, what do you guys think about the uh, E92? I mean, it's at the bottom of its depreciation curve. You know, B8 naturally aspirated. Is that one to get now? If if you can find a manual, jump at it. That's that's my advice. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Yeah, it's got to be the manual, and it is. At, yeah, you're right. It's probably at the bottom of its depreciation now, and it'd be well worth picking up a, a clean manual if you could find one. Yep, yeah, because it's the last of the of the NA you know, V8 kind of uh, BMWs as well. So, you know, they st- before they start sort of downsizing and hybridizing, that, that kind of thing. So for a purist to put away in a garage, it's definitely, it's a, it's a future collector. Fantastic, gents. Well, anyways, we'll uh, be celebrating Lewis Hamilton as well on Sunday. So uh, Damien, I'll be listening to you all weekend long. Oh, good on you. Good on you, Mark. Well, uh, <laughs> let, let's hope they get through turn one cleanly, hey? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. All right, gents. Thanks a lot for the information. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much, Mark. Um, now, on the line now, we've got Magnus. Magnus, you've got a Ford Ranger 2017 model. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Morning, gents. Yeah, I've got a Ford Ranger Wildtrak C-Gray 2017 model, showroom condition, 66,000 kilometers. Uh, warranty is about to, to expire, brand new tires. Um, I'm just wondering if I could get a, an idea of price or valuation at least. Okay, Matthew, what do you think of a Ford Ranger 2017, 66,000 kilometers? These sell well. I actually have a, a friend, and he was looking for one for about six weeks. He would have absolutely loved this one as well. He ended up going for uh, an older Raptor, but he just couldn't find the, the right one, the right wild track. Um, they're over two high kilometers, or there just wasn't enough inventory out there. This car's around 110,000 um in the market right now and and that sounds a lot of money but it's just because there's none out there at the moment um and i i think you'd be surprised at how much interest you'll get when you put this uh, advert live yeah that's fantastic news i actually picked this up for eighty-nine thousand about a year ago so i would be making a uh, a decent return on this. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of people are. A lot of people are because a year ago the, the used car landscape was completely different. We we've talked to to many people on shows recently that, that their cars have gone up in value um, because we we were faced uh, with the bottom of the market and now we're we're at the top of it in in about an eighteen month period. So yeah, no surprise there. Thank Fantastic. You. Thank you very much. No worries, Magnus. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got a, a couple of quick texts here, Matthew. Um, I'm planning to buy a, uh, a Honda Pilot 2016 Touring. It has 109,000 kilometres. It's silver, two years warranty, advertised at 86,000K. Is the price justified? 
Yeah, it's about where it should be. I, I, if you didn't tell me the price, I would have said that car's around 85. I mean, obviously, anything you get below that, it, it, it's going to increase the deal. It's going to be a better deal. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that price is, is about spot on. Okay, and very quickly, Mohammed's a little confused. He uh, he wants to know whether to get the G- GMC Denali or the new Land Cruiser Twin Turbo. Oof, well, the Land, the Land Cruiser is going to always be desirable, isn't it? Yeah. Brand new ones just come out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have to think much about that. I'd say go for the Land Cruiser. Yeah, there you go. Right, thank you very much, Mohammed. Now it's time, Matthew, for uh, to put you, put you to the test again. It's the speed quote time. We were looking at, I think it was eight before, wasn't it? I think eight's our best, but I mean we've 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 done eight twice now, but it's I think it's very, very difficult to uh to get past eight. I always put pressure on you now. That's right. that's the easiest thing for me to do, just put, <laughs> put pressure on Damien. I'm gonna bounce it back at you, I'm gonna ramp it up. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. Okay, here we go. We've got a BMW M five fifty, two thousand and eighteen, eighty six eighty six thousand kilometers. Oh, stunning car. Um around two two five that car will be. Okay, a Mazda 6, 2011, silver, 2 litre, 195,000 kilometres, but it's got new tyres. Uh, that'll help a little bit to sell it, but it's still only worth about 13, 14k. Okay, it's a white Toyota Prius, 2016, 43,000 kilometres. Won't be many of them around now, um, around 55,000. Okay, 2019 Infiniti Q30 Luxury with 19k. Uh, nice car, probably under 100, around 95. Okay, Audi A3, 2020 model, 3.5 litre, silver, 35k. We'll do close to 100, 95k. 2015 Dodge Durango, 105,000. About 65, 70. Mercedes 200, 2015, 72,000k. Late 70s, something like 78, 79. Oh, there you go. And that is seven, Matthew. I must be. Yes. I, I, I must have tripped over a couple of syllables there. <laughs> no, no, it's a good effort, and and nice to throw in something a bit different, like the uh, the five fifty. We don't we don't get that kind of variance in speed quotes, so that's pretty cool. That's not too bad, Matthew. Well, thank you so much once again, and uh, I, I hope you're going to be uh, joining us on the on the TV later on, or tuning in, watching the uh, the Formula One action of qualifying this uh, evening. I, uh, Glued is the word you're searching for. Glued to the T. I don't think I'll sleep tonight with the race tomorrow. I know we'll find out who qualifies where, but um, I don't think I'll sleep tonight very well. I've got to quickly say, Sue, hats off to you. I saw the supercar Magellus rolling along on National Day last week, and uh, the streets were filled with supercars. You did an amazing job, so well done on that. Yeah, thank you. We, we ended up at Dubai Eye and took a round on the, the Ain wheel, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way. Everybody's got to try that. Well done. Well, thank you, uh, Matthew Davison, and uh, we'll see you very soon for the for the next issue. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is the only interactive car show on UAE Radio. We give you motoring advice. We talk about what's happening in the car world, and we let you have a voice on road safety issues. We are keeping you company all the way through till noon today. And here's what's coming up. Is the new year a good time to buy a new car? If you are planning to buy one, what should you get? Let us know, 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And if you have any questions for us and want uh, our opinions on certain cars, the lines are open. And uh, I've got uh, Imtashan Giado in the studio 
to the, for the for this hour as well. So um, we've 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 managed to get another guest in the studio. This is fantastic. So right now, um, the Shanjiado, welcome into the studio. Good to finally be back, Damien. Fantastic. So what have you been up to in the last few days? Oh goodness me! I had quite a few <laughs> busy days going on. Definitely been working with the new Millimilia. Been looking at the F1, just like you. Closest finale in years, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's all happening this weekend down at the uh, the Yasmina Circuit. Um, it is uh, forty seven years since the last time we had a tiebreaker going into the last race. And uh, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, of course, they're tied on three hundred and sixty nine point five points each. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the, the excitement is absolutely palpable down there right now, and it's a, it's a sellout again. I can't believe how close it is. And I'm an avowed F1 avoider, but even I have been <laughs> dragged kicking and screaming into this season. It's just been absolutely magical, hasn't it? It's been fantastic for ratings around the world because it's brought in a whole lot of new people. The audience is actually uh, it's getting a lot younger by the year. It's, it's really interesting. Um, but to have this kind of title fight going on, it's the first time that Yas Marina has hosted a title winner since 2016, of course, that was Nico Rosberg and, and Lewis Hamilton. But the the the, the thing is, it, it's this rivalry, and I've pointed out to a few people, is very similar to we're going back to Schumacher and Damon Hill in 1994, the the one that everyone refers to, the Center of Prost era. But it really is like that because the intensity between the teams is uh, something I've not seen for well over ten years. I think what's very different about this year and what makes it so much more engaging is that you've got a storyline. It's completely organic. It's not been planned. It's not like a drive to survive on Netflix. You've got heroes and villains, and whichever one you consider either. It's entirely a matter of your perspective. Yeah, because you always need a villain, and that's the only way that this is going to work. And and it's it always seems to to drum one up. And uh, it, as you say, it depends on which side you're on. Um, depends on who the who the villain is. So it's uh, yeah, it's a phenomenal. You know, we've got a huge audience from the Netherlands here at the moment um, supporting Max Verstappen. And of course, we've got the large British expat population supporting Lewis Hamilton. Um, and so much more. And of course, Yasmarina Circuit has changed as well. It's got new corners. It's made it. They've, they've taken out the little kinks to make the track faster. And uh, we're expecting it's it's around about up to 17 seconds a lap faster. So it's now become a very, very fast track with overtaking opportunities, which is something we've not had before. I think overtaking opportunities are something that a lot of the newer tracks have struggled struggled with. Obviously, I haven't been following F1 as closely as you have, but it seems to me F1 had become a little tame and predictable. All change with this year, though, and I think part of that is the way the drivers are just pushing way beyond the limits of what normal people consider sane, and the cars as well are now really, really being stretched. I didn't really consider Yas a boring circuit, but I would say that now it is an exceptional circuit based on the new design layouts that I've seen. Absolutely yep. exceptional. Yeah, and very quickly, too, big shout-out to the guys from Formula for UAE, they're making the world debut of the new Tata chassis this weekend, which has the new, which is the extra safety features, the halo that, that has saved a lot of lives it's in a very short space of time. And uh, and the, the guys at Formula Four UAE, who are based here in Dubai, they're down there with a full field of cars. Um, they're oversubscribed for the championship. They're bringing in people from all around the world because it's, this is in front of the world stage. So they've done an absolutely amazing job, and uh, they're out there racing today on the world platform so good luck to them but I'm going to bring in something that you are very very familiar with Shan, and that is something I'm equally excited about and I generally mean that this is the Millimilia the born in Italy classic car rally road race tour however you like to call it and it's coming to the UAE tell us a little bit about how this is panning out so the Millimilia is nothing less than the most beautiful race in the world 
It started in 1927. It started in Brescia, Italy, and to this day, it's still held in Brescia, Italy. It goes from Brescia to Rome and back, or sometimes the other way around. I think the last year was the other way around. It is millimilia because that means a thousand miles in Italian, or approximately 1,600 kilometers. It has 400 contestants or participants in uh, in a, it's a race, not a rally per se. It's a regularity rally, so they're not really racing for speed, but it's about time and distance. Now, what we're doing or what we're looking at is bringing the exact same form. Format to the UAE, slightly smaller, a hundred participants picked from some of the finest, finest sort of verticals in the world: art, business, sport, etc. And it's pretty much full up, absolutely full up. And it's also a thousand miles. So imagine a one thousand six hundred kilometer race. Now F1, they complain about a few hours, but these guys are racing from February eighteenth to the twenty second. That's five days on the road, and we're not talking about nice modern new F1 cars with halos. We're talking about cars from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up to 1971. Now, what's special about the first race is it's the Golden Jubilee of the UAE, and the race actually plays tribute to that. It's the Jubilee Edition. So, what we're talking about is celebrating the history of the UAE, hitting all the major iconic landmarks, and nothing is more iconic right now. Then the expo, and guess what? That's where Millimedia is starting from. Expo. In fact, on the seventeenth of February, you'll be able to see all the cars on display at Expo UAE. Fantastic! And I, I can tell you, it's going to be. I mean, the value of these cars is absolutely sensational. Over a million dollars each. That's the average value is over a million dollars. Most of them are about a million and a half dollars, and some of them, well, let's just say they're in the tens of digits <laughs> of millions. <laughs> yes. Can't so, say anything right now. So we're visiting to we're going to places such as Alain, we're going to Fujairah, Rasul Khaimah, Umul Qayn, Ajman, Sharjah, Abu Dhabi, back to Dubai. So we've covered all the Emirates. And can you imagine? We're talking about 1940s, 50s, 60s cars that are going to be pretty much jousting their way up Jebel Hafid. They're not going to be going that slow. They're going to be going up Jebel Jais. And of course, the hospitality is amazing, hotels and all that. So you will be able to follow along. By the way, this is not we're not closing the roads. The whole yeah. thing is that you can actually see the cars driving past on the streets. So imagine that convoy of a hundred beautiful cars. Well, What that, a sight! Well, that's the thing. The Milamili has always been on on open roads, and it began in uh, 1926. It was uh, it was it's been it's been organised that whole time by the Automobile Club of Brescia. So um, we spoke to uh, the president Aldo Bonomi early this week during the uh, press conference. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. The historical Mille Miglia take place and still take place from Brescia to Rome and back. Is a, a, a cavalcade between the Italian beauty of over 200 fantastic places in Italy. We can bring here the spirit, of course, because it's not possible to bring Italy in total in the EU. But the spirit, the spirit to cross over community to cross over the most magnificent place and landscape. So, yeah, there, there's Aldo Abadami, um, and uh, he was just describing briefly about that. Now, I was very, very lucky in my early years. I actually took part in the, uh, in the, in the Mille Miglia back in 1990, and uh, 80, 89, and then 1990. What was it like in 1990? I imagine it's not very different from... 2021 is it? Well, it was sensational. I mean, to, to, to put it into perspective, so the, so the millimeters you say, thousand miles, so 1,600 kilometers. Um, it, the the record was set in 1955, and it was and it's never been beaten. Sterling Moss, Dennis Jenkinson in a Mercedes 300 SLR. They left at 7:22 in the morning. They crossed the finish line at 5:32 that afternoon. They covered 1,600 kilometers in 10 hours, seven minutes, and 48 seconds. So they were they were hitting speeds of around about 275 
kilometres per hour in this car. Now, I was so, so fortunate that I actually got to work with Sterling Moss in that very car when they did the recreation um, back in 89, and uh, and we took part in the event. Um, it's just one of those things. It brings people together. We it brings it was it was Grand Prix drivers of the time getting there together. And uh, and I remember very quickly. I remember just this this fantastic scenario. So we were staying in a place called Kalina, which is the town where Contessa Maggie was was living at the time to to do the the prize giving at the end. And we got woken up by the sound of backfiring. Went outside to see what it was, and there was this beautiful mgk3 being push started down down our driveway that i was staying in and um went down there to give it a hand to, to help push start this car and it was uh prince michael of kent on one side of the car and victor gauntlet who was then the chairman of aston martin oh, wow. on the, the other side push starting this car because it was his son driving the car victor had his own he was running a uh, lagonda or something um but it's these kind of memories that just stick with you for life, and uh, it really did have a, a huge impact on me. A By the way, miles. small correction: that was not Aldo Bonomi. I remember his like, very distinctive voice. That was actually Alberto Piantoni, who is oh. the CEO of Millimilia. Also, a very, very interesting chap in general. Ah, apologies. Okay, so yes, um, fantastic. So earlier this year too, the Dubai police also took part when you guys went over too. I understand. Oh. That was an interesting thing, wasn't it? We managed to get a Dubai police car. The first time actually it's taken part in a rally. The first part, first time a Dubai police car has travelled overseas to the Millimilia or any event. And it took part in coordination with the Italian police. So imagine, most of the people in Italy had never, ever seen a Dubai police car or somebody from the UAE. So what an experience. Now, later on, we're going to tell you our top car picks for 2022. If you're planning to buy a car or want uh, our opinion, get in touch with us via text on 4001 or via the ARN Play app or give us a call, 048755500. But right now at the Shan, let's look into GM. They have had a big announcement just in, in recent weeks. They're talking about GM Zero. Now, they plan to launch 30 new cars globally that are going to be EVs. But get this, 13 of them are going to be in the Middle East in the next couple of years. Wow, what an interesting thought, isn't it? I mean, I remember driving their first EV a few years ago, the Chevrolet Bolt. What mm. an interesting start. Uh, wasn't quite the, what the market wanted because it's a little on the small side. It's a great car, but it was like a tall hatchback. What we want is SUVs, and now they're coming. Yeah, and on top of that too, they've also made a big announcement about working with the Dubai government about bringing in some autonomous vehicles as well. So earlier we spoke to Sean Poppett, the Director of Communications at General Motors Africa in the Middle East, and uh, as I say, as you know, they're talking about these self-driving vehicles. We are partnering with the Dubai RTA to bring a fleet of cruise autonomous vehicles to Dubai. A fleet of cruise origins will be taking passengers on autonomous rides by 2023. It's not very often that you get to play a part in an announcement that will literally change the face of the industry. That's going to give a lot of people their first ever experience of an autonomous vehicle. So that was Sean Poppett. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it, it's... It's coming fairly soon. That's the thing. They're, they're, they're working on these cruise vehicles that are working right now. And, uh, and the plan is, is, to, uh, is to get them here by 2023. That's really soon. I mean, everybody's rushing electric vehicles. Same old questions before. Where's the infrastructure? Dewa is working as hard as they can, I know. And obviously, new buildings need to have electric vehicle charging points fitted yeah. as well. This is all standard stuff. But it's going to take a while. And I think the big stumbling block now is price. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in terms of the autonomous things, they're talking about not just a few. They're talking about 4,000 autonomous self-driving vehicles by 2030, which is ambitious to say the least, but hats off to them. Um, now, also, Sean, at GM here, uh, also talked about their battery, the Ultium, Ultium 
platform, and uh, he does address the very real issue that um, that people keep getting from buying electric cars. Let's have a listen. Ultium can give over 600 kilometres of range on a single charge, depending on the vehicle. So range anxiety is now a thing of the past. Do you agree? That's claimed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's claimed 600 kilometers. And the reason I use the asterisk, the parenthesis, whatever article you want to include, is that I've driven a lot of Teslas. And I wouldn't say any of them, in my opinion, surely my opinion only, come close to the range stated in on the website. However, I drove the Audi, uh, the, the fast one, and that was really good. Not the Taycan, I can't slip my mind right now, but the Audi electric vehicle was incredibly close to its stated range. So some of the traditional car features are very good at it. But yeah, I think they need independent testing before we can claim 600 kilometers. Yeah, I mean, they're improving very quickly, and uh, and they're working with uh, LG, I think, on developing the uh, the 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 battery technology on this. Uh, but also on top of that, they, as you say, part of the 13 new vehicles, they also revealed um, the Hummer EV, which is going to be here by the fourth quarter of next year. And uh, they're talking about a 1,000 horsepower, three seconds, 100 kilometers out, but they're also talking 500 kilometers range from this vehicle. I mean, it weighs as much as the moon, so of course it's going to be able to go that far. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty heavy vehicle. I don't have the exact weight to hand, but I know it's close to three tons. However, maybe more. What a cool thing. That is a home run. That is an absolute home run. That's going to sell and sell and sell because people want an eye-catching vehicle and nothing is more intimidating or kind of as controversial as the Hummer brand. So what they've done is very clever by repurposing Hummer into this green avatar. You can't say anything bad about it now. Whatever you said about Hummer before does not apply anymore. Hummer is cool. Yeah, um, they're looking at doing about 30,000 kilometres of, of local testing in the region. So, you know, it should cover the uh, the questions that will pop up about how does it go through sand. Now, one of the things I'm curious to know is that range, does it apply to sand driving? Does it apply to highway driving? As you know, it's a world apart. Well, it needs to be able to go to Saudi and back. That's the first thing on one charge. Secondly, it needs to also do the sand stuff. But I'm not so worried about that because in the sand, you don't actually use that much petrol. If you drive sensibly, yeah. you don't actually, because instant torque means off the line, you go, you don't really need to turn up the engine that much. Now, if you're climbing big dunes, different story. But that will use up charge the way that a petrol engine uses up petrol. So it should be roughly the same. It shouldn't be over-enthusiastic in its electron usage. Yeah, so it's ambitious. It's um, as uh, Stephen Akifa, who's the Senior Vice President and President of GM International. That, that's GM International pretty much is every market outside of North America and China, uh, 60 markets around the world. He was saying that they are investing $35 billion US dollars in electric and autonomous vehicles between now and 2025. So, you know, this is a, a big shift from them. They're moving from being a car manufacturer to being a uh, developing platforms and, and software and hardware developer. And this is the way the industry is going, you know, that, that these guys are, are working on this and obviously they want to, they're, they're zero mandate. They want to get down to zero con- emissions, zero congestion. There's a, a few utopian ideas in there as well that, that I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that we'll, they'll touch, but, but that's what they're aiming for. Um, and, and this is the way they're going. There's, but there's the, for those who love their petrol engines, what they're doing is they're going to sell them alongside it's going to be phased, isn't time. it? It's yeah. going to be a slow changeover. It's like when you're a new iPhone, you didn't just rush out and buy new iPhones. Now you wait till the iPhone's a little worn out and then when you change, you're like, wow, so many new features. I think that's what it's going to be for a lot of people. Again, it comes down to the price. It comes down to availability of charging points. It cannot sort of 
impinge upon anybody's freedoms. The problem right now with electric cars is you're kind of tied to the charging infrastructure where it is. Whereas the whole point of an off-roader is that you can go anywhere at any time. So once that's solved, we're going to see rapid adoption, much more rapid than other formats in the past. Yeah, another little announcement they snuck too through is the is the launch. It's taken a long time to get here of OnStar, which is the uh, which is the help button that's 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 built hardwired into GM cars that hasn't really been able to be used here for, for uh, until now. Now they've got the help with the various governments and emergency services and ambulances and police to to actually use it. So it means that if you if you're involved in an accident, it automatically alerts General Motors and they can dispatch uh, an emergency crew. Um, or if it's if if you're just if you've locked your keys in the car or that sort of thing, it's a it's a help button basically. And that's Is it now. a concierge service for the driver? It's a concierge, but but an emergency service as well. So so I know with OnStar and other markets, and and I'm sure it's the same here now. Is that if you have an if you have an accident, for instance, it knows the the air, which airbags have gone off based on the seat sensors. So and it knows the the, the g severity, etc. So it knows whether it's been a heavy impact. It knows if there's one, two, or three people in the car, and it automatically rings the ambulance and tells the lo- the geolocation of the vehicle and who's inside. And then they ring you and ask you physically to say, "Hi, I'm okay," so they know if you're you're conscious enough so it's very thoughtful i have actually have a different kind of take on what i want from ronstar ronstar is a good service been on since the 90s glad it's finally here there's no downside to it at all i was in my ford the other day and i ran out of petrol and that would have been a great time to press a button that says hey ford send me some petrol it would be really nice because <laughs> yes. i stopped at the side of the road so that would have been useful well, Could you a coffee button a Carfu, but well, I had to download the app. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. Got an app. Now, off the back of all that, too, British new car registrations rose for the first time in five months in November as battery electric vehicles uptake doubled. Uh, the market still remains well adrift of the pre-coronavirus levels, of course, so sales increased by 1.7% in November compared with the same month a year ago, with 115,700 cars registered. Now, this is, comes from the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. Now, it's still 31% below the pre-pandemic five-year average, mind you, but it does show that uh, battery electric vehicles is, um, is, is picking up big time Different now. market, though. Hard yeah, to course. compare, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one from from the UK. Um, and as our mutual friend Shazad Sheikh has just been doing a bit of work with some electric vehicles and resto electric cars, scrutinised for allowing video games to be played while the cars are moving. Now, the US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said that it's reviewing a recent software update by Tesla, which allows drivers drive. By the way, they claimed 3,142 lives in 2019. Um, the New York Times reported this week on concerns raised by safety advocates about three video games, including Solitaire, that drivers, I can't believe that, and passengers can play on in-dash touchscreen. Um, not surprisingly that Tesla hasn't replied to any comments. Well, they yet. can't reply to your request because they don't have no PR department. They don't actually have a PR officer. So who are you going to do? What are you going to do? Tweet Elon Musk? He actually probably will reply, which is more terrifying. But yes. That is the PR department. Yeah. I've which tried. Is, and, um, and I was directed to do that. Yeah, that's not a great strategy. But also allowing drivers to play video games or even passengers. I mean, if they're in the back, fine, belted up with screens. Many manufacturers do that already. However, that's completely fine. What Tesla is doing is unsafe. Driving a car is something you need your full attention for. And this is why I kind of don't truck with things like self-driving yet, because you need to be able to focus. It's not easy. Well, this is what people are now starting to, to, to forget about. The fact is that you're multitasking, doing a life-saving task many times a second. And, uh, and, and 
it's moving the car into a convenience thing. It's it, it, in the similar as like I'm going to the fridge to see what's in there. You know, it's you're you're, you're operating a life saving device or a life threatening device depending on how you drive and how you look at it. And uh, and you can't be distracted by these things. And you can be distracted all the time now because I've got emails I'm replying to on the go. I am WhatsApping links to people. I'm sending images to people. Saying, what am I doing? I've done that and I've stopped and I said, stop it. That's just unsafe. And that's without having all these modern uh, G-Jaws that allow you to basically do that without actually doing anything in your car. I think you need to take some of this stuff away from them and lock things out. I know people don't like having their freedoms taken away, but driving cars is serious business. I find a very simple solution to all this. And that is put a manual gearbox back in with a clutch pedal because... Have you ever texted while driving a manual gearbox? Guess what? You can't. You can't. You can't do that. That's, that's, that's the point because you are, you're, you're busy just controlling the vehicle. Imagine if you're driving a Honda Type R, which has like a million gears and you've basically got to be on VTEC the entire time. You cannot stop and send like a, a lol emoji to people. No, no. Um, and lane keeping the assist and, and that sort of thing as well. You know, the, the, I mean, you've, when you've got to do it yourself. So, I mean, these are all issues. And this is going back to the GM zero point where they're sort of saying they, they initially wanted to sort of come in and say zero fatalities, which I find, yeah, how do, how do you do that? Admirable, but almost that? impossible. But if you're talking about autonomous vehicles doing that, then they can control it to an extent. But there is always going to be vehicles on the road that are being driven by other people so you know um it's there are always cars that are poorly maintained tires that are not perfect batteries that are out of spec you know there are reasons for cars to fail and then that's an accident that cannot be avoided so zero is extremely admirable everybody should work to it it's not possible but on the other hand it doesn't mean you should strive towards it however relying on technology to do it i have a problem with that yeah absolutely well we're back in the driver's seat on Motor Mania. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, Motor Mania with you through until midday. I'm Damien Reed and I'm joined in the studio with Imtashan Giardo talking about car news and all sorts of things. And now we're moving on to our top car picks that are coming up in 2022. But before that, we're going to look at the top our top 10, respectively, of 2021. So uh, I'm going to bring Intheshan in on this. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, Intheshan. I've counted them down, my 10 to 1. And I'm going to start with, uh, with, with number 10. Now, as I said before at the start of this, number 1 is not what people are going to think, I'm sure. Anyone who knows me, that's for sure. Um, is it Italian? Let's get there. Let's, we'll get down in a few moments. Actually, I'm not sure I've got an Italian car in my list. But anyway. Oh, um, shock and horror. So number 10, I put down the Mercedes AMG C53. Now, because it was, uh, it's, a high, it's a mild hybrid engine and uh, it's, it's not the big V8, but incredible torque from that vehicle and, and the new technology of that engine. And now these are cars I must, I must emphasize. These are only cars that I've been in. Driven, with the exception of one, but I've been in that one. We'll get to that in a moment. So um, so these are cars I've actually dr- been behind the wheel of. So I'll put that in as number 10. Uh, in terms of supercars, um, the McLaren 720S was absolutely breathtaking. Um, in, in terms of it's just got the wood on the Italian cars right now in terms of style, performance. Um, and you've just driven it recently. Was that correct? I drove the McLaren GT, but that's on my list as well. So spoiler alert. Oh, there you go. Um, we agree, though. We agree. It, I think Italians and, uh, should be really watching, looking over their shoulder because they've got a daily driver and an exciting car nailed in the same package. 
Uh, no compromise. Absolutely. And, and considering how, how recently they've been on the market compared to the, the age-old Italians. About 10 years for McLaren now, making supercars, if you don't count the F1. Of, of, of the new generation, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Completely different company. Yeah. Um, then my number eight, way, way, way from that, and it's something I think you'll probably agree with. Have you been looking with. at my list? <laughs> it's a Land Rover Defender. Why do we both like it so much? Because I hated it when I saw it in the pictures. Then I drove it, and I'm like, this just makes sense. That's it. Yes, that's exactly right. I, I saw the all those teaser shots, and I'm going, no, I'm not sure about the styling. And when it came I'm out, I'm still don't not know. sure about the styling, but, but I still like it. But I don't I'm, get it. I'm warming to it, and I've taken it off road here in the sand, and I've taken it off road back home in in through rocks and mud and various things in Australia, and through river crossings and things. And it is absolutely. If anyone says, oh, it's it's not as good as the old one, sorry, it is a million but times better, better than the better. old one because it just does everything so effortlessly. Um, but it's still rugged. It's not as rugged in terms of a hose. No, well, let's be honest. It's not the same sort of build quality. No, yep. it's built better. It's built much better than old Defender. But in terms of how much punishment will take, well, that the time will tell. We can't say, can we? Well, that's the that's the thing we can't we can't say. So yeah, it, it, and it's not the. But it looks good. Yeah, it's not the clip off doors and hose out thing. There are other vehicles on that. In but the Land Rover now. doesn't do this kind of cars anymore. Anyway, let's not, let's not talk about Defenders forever because we could. But exactly. we both like them. They're great. <laughs> uh, best muscle car, I thought, and I just drove this recently, and it is a it is a farewell to the to the V eight manual. I think in our world is the Cadillac CT five V Blackwing. It's the Holden Commodore that America oh, finally gets, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it just? It is the HSV W1 that we that that should have been made for Australia, but it's uh, it's the LS4 engine, 680 brake horsepower, uh, six-speed manual or 10-speed automatic if you want to go down that path, which is actually the quicker one. Um, but, but by the manual, are we getting the manual here? Not sure. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, well, but, petition your local dealer because you know what? They have a lot of clout and they can order it, but… I don't think we're getting one, which is sad because you need to experience that car in as raw a fashion as possible. I think it's the I think it's the last V eight manual car Will that ever you can be buy. Made. Ever be made because you look at the competitors. Certainly, sedan or saloon. A- yeah, yeah. If you look at the competitors, AMG, BMW, M, they don't do it anymore. Look at the American competitors; they don't do it anymore. Uh, Chargers, not Chrysler manual. Ford, exactly. So I think that's the last one to get. If you're looking to put one away, get the manual CD five Blackwing. But drive it as well. I mean, oh, drive, yeah, of course. But people are going to put buy these things and sock them in their garages and then wait ten years and then charge reckless premium for them, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number like six, a GT3 Porsche. <laughs> my number six, best Euro compact performance car. I figured, and I, again, I drove this recently, and it's the Audi RS3 because of this fantastic torque vectoring diff that actually gets rid of all the understeer. And it actually uh, gives it a bit of oversteer now, and it's got the noise. It sounds like the classic Audi Quattro. Is that five-cylinder engine? It's got that trumble, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, again, it's something that the other Germans, the BMW M's and the and the AMGs, are, are disappearing. My heart sank when I heard that AMG the C63 is going to be a four-cylinder hybrid. I heard the AMG chief walked out at the meeting when he heard what that. What is going on? And then moved to Aston Martin. Um, exactly. RS3 is Tobias, so yeah. good; they makes you wonder. Why isn't the GTI better? Because I was a little disappointed by the most modern GTI currently in showrooms. Good car, don't get me wrong, but I think mm. the RS3 nails the brief so much better. Five-cylinder engine has a lot to do with it. It's the same platform, but it's the five-cylinder engine in the Audi, and uh, and with that, uh, the the Volkswagen also has that that tricky diff as well. But uh, yeah, I just put it. But speaking of Volkswagens, I tell you what, this nearly came as the top of my list of everything in terms of. I'm being really shocked about this one. Amazing all-rounder, and that's the VW T-Roc because. Driving it around here, I just found that it's not it's not a 
serious off-roader, but it's it, but it's got the ground clearance to get you over a couple of nasty curbs if you're going for a country drive or you or you need to drive down a sandy driveway. That's the thing. Loads of interior room and loads of storage space. Uh, not the most not the most powerful car, but I just found that given the fact that roadworks pop up when you go for a drive to to you know Fajera or whatever else at the moment, you can get over a few obstacles with it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't driven the T-Rock, but I really want to. Based on that, I never would have thought of it as a competitor, and now you've just convinced me that I should definitely take it off for a test drive. I was, I was really surprised that my mind went that way when I was driving the car, going, "Wow, what's this the engine is on it?" So it's the one point five liter turbo. I think. Such a tiddly little engine, but you're still, you know, going Sufficient down, going down to Calber is still still doing a hundred, you know, the speed limit, the hundred, yes, the hundred, <laughs> in the speed limit. So yeah, and and lots of torque that turbo engine, a lot of torque. All you need, car. I'm really coming out with this idea of all you need. You don't need electric car with six hundred kilometers of range. You need a car that does all you need. Yep. That's a good way to live your life. Yeah. Now here's the, here's a little controversial one because we discussed off air about this because I haven't actually driven this one, but I've sat in the passenger seat, and you've got a very valid point as to perhaps why it shouldn't be in the list, and that is the Ineos Grenadier. Um, I say nothing. I just found it's absolutely tough as nails. We we took it for a run out through X Quarry. I, fortunately, I couldn't drive it because it was a development car, but I did sit in the passenger seat, and I have been in it, so that's why it's in my list. Tell me why it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because it's a bit like me sitting on a broomstick and claiming I'm Harry Potter. You know, it's not the same thing. Um, I'm certainly not no Daniel Radcliffe. I think the Ineos Grenadier, I will give you this. When I saw it at the launch, I was blown away by the attention to detail, all the stuff that matters. It's the defender that Land Rover should have made in some ways. And it's certainly to me more attractive. And yet here's the funny part. I like the actual Land Rover defender more because it's more comfortable because I'm getting older. But the Grenadier, if you're the kind of roughy tufty person who sort of goes off road and sits and put roofs racks and tents and all of that jazz then yeah the grand idea is the right car for you and it's like being in a fighter jet which is kind of cool yeah. so if you're that persuasion this is your car yeah but but mostly your point was say it's not on sale yet it's not on sale until next year so maybe quite a while actually yeah. hopefully it'll come in somewhere mid next year or is it the end yeah. of next year probably i'm thinking probably third quarter yeah the local dealers the working here. there so they've got over 150 orders yeah i mean yeah. that's that statement right there Amazing. Um, so now down to my top three. Number three, not number one, number three, uh, the Bugatti Chiron Supersport, simply because... Hard day at work, that one, wasn't it? Oh, dear. I mean, honestly, words almost fail me, which is, which is quite try. something. Um, but <laughs> Please try. Just, just, it is the pinnacle of engineering, of, of combustion engine engineering. It's not going to get better than that, and it never will, because we're, we're, we're saying farewell to the, to the combustion engine over time now as we bring in hybridisation. Eight liters, sixteen cylinder, four turbochargers, um, enormous amount of horsepower, and it's just a, the performance. Just talk about a car being made fit for purpose. You, as much as a Land Cruiser is built to go off road, or a Tesla is built to go electric cars fast as fast as you can possibly go, the Chiron is the pinnacle of what humanity will achieve with the internal combustion engine. Uh, I, I know, just speed. even I mean, you're talking you know close to four hundred kilometers now, or, the, or plus. But you know, it, it's not even the numbers; it's just the, the fact that they've achieved this with engineering in terms of metallurgy. Talking about that the guys who make the wheels, can drive. you can just get in and drive, and it drives like a it, yeah, it drives like a, a mid sized car. You know, around town, it's phenomenal. Um, number two, and I put this, and it's an electric vehicle, um, but it is the best electric vehicle in my mind, bar none, and that's the Porsche Taycan. But the Cross Turismo, which I drove earlier this year. Um, What's the difference? I mean, surely it's just a hatch, a station wagon version of the Taycan, which is a great car. It's it's increased ride height, 
Um, so it, it's mild off-road ability. Great dune time, no? Well, I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so I took it there. It's got in the in the Porsche traction management system. You've now got an off-road setting. So when you flick the the, the little those who know their Porsche steering wheels, when you flick the little dial around to Sport and Sport Plus, and there's another one called off-road. So it just matches all the it all the computers talk to each other to give the right amount of torque and the ABS and all that kind of stuff to make the car work in gravelly road situations. Um, but as an as an electric vehicle. I mean, that would be one I'd own. I know it's expensive, but that's that's would be the one I'd own. Yeah, I, but the same thing as about electric car. They're all expensive, but they're all good as well, dare I say it. Yeah, and they're all heavy. Yeah. Um, so this brings me to number one, and it's uh, nothing like any of those. I drove it earlier this year in Australia. It's because it's you not lucky, in this market lucky yet. Chap. And I found some little quiet back roads somewhere that reminded me of a, of a, of a rally stage in, uh, in, in the UK or Australia somewhere. And it's the Toyota Yaris GR, the Gazoo. The Gazoo My Racing. Goodness, that car. I hate you. Is a phenomenal. It's just mind blowing that it shouldn't wear a Yaris badge because people instantly get the wrong is idea. Is it a modern Delta Integrale? It is. Your fans. It hit the nail on the head. I, I drove it, and it was driven by a guy at Toyota Australia who loaned me the car, a friend of mine, and uh, and I said to him, I said, this is the Delta Integrale of our generation. So what is this Delta is the Sierra who Cosworth don't know. of our generation. Four-wheel drive, hatchback, turbo, quick, quick cars. Yeah, uh, all weather, yeah, all reasons. Three-cylinder three turbocharged, so it's got a nice little growl to it from the three-cylinder engine. Um, but all the, 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 the computer wizardry with the diffs working in conjunction with each other, it's hand-built. It actually has a lower height than the regular Yaris and sits wider. So it's a it's very, almost very a different car. car, isn't it? It is. It is. I think credibly, they must be losing tons of money on each car. They are. <laughs> because then, Toyota built that to enter the World Rally Championship. They built the car, then they withdrew from the championship. So brilliant. it's a stillborn Classic. car. And it's <laughs> never going to go down in value, I'm sure. Uh, fewer but why are you imported. talking about it for cars for this region, unless you know something we don't? I'm hearing Alpha Tamer, hearing that there is demand. And, uh, and they, they, they may so want to There's so many grey market cars that have come in that they're like, they must be thinking, we need to get this car into the showroom. But the price is going to be a huge tumbling block, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's the issue. We're talking probably 200 plus thousand dirhams here for, for a Yaris. I heard at least 180. And who's going to pay 180 for a Yaris? But if you know what you know, yeah. you'll buy them and you'll keep them. Yes, we're with you for a little bit longer. And we're talking about cars that we've driven this year, the best cars of this year. I've just given you my top 10. I'm going to go straight to you. Um, your top 10 cars of the year far away i'm gonna get a lot of flack from you now because most of these cars i haven't driven <laughs> so okay but i'm just very enthusiastic about cars. let's start with my number 10 which is the same one as well your list in the land rover defender um drove it loved it and i thought this is a car for all seasons all reasons families man about town i saw a chap running around the other day in a three-door brilliant car just oh, looks great i'd like a three-door yeah. yeah but you can't get one no, they're, no. they're hideously expensive and they're still sold out and good luck getting i think defenders are pretty much closed out till next year when i say next year i mean 23 yeah that's how bad it is but again if you want one just put your order in hope for the best okay number nine number nine here's an unlikely one toyota highlander hybrid Oh, okay. loved the Highlander Hybrid. I thought it was one of the best Toyotas on sale. The stereo was good. The power was nice. The fuel economy was amazing. So comfortable. I would buy this over something like a Prado, which is feeling a bit old now. People still sell in good numbers, but if you don't need the off-road capability, let's be honest, most people don't. Mm. The Highlander Hybrid is perfectly acceptable for most people. It is the family car that the Camry used to be, but the Highlander Hybrid now just does everything really nice. And the stereo is really good. Yeah. But I can't complain about it. It's a little expensive but then you think about the technology you're getting and think, yeah actually not that expensive yeah your, your number eight is one that i nearly put on my list ah 
the Ferrari Roma. Mm. You know, you got to put an Italian car on there. And I, I, I chastise you for not putting an Italian car on your list. But the Roma, <laughs> oof, stunning. I didn't even realize until I looked at the list, but there you go. That's just drip sex appeal in fl- on the metal. It's just unbelievable. Those curved fenders, the way they drape over the wheels, the way they, the view out the front is amazing. It's not perfect. I can happily say I don't like Ferrari's new informatic systems. It's just annoying. The touch stuff is fiddly. It's, it's downright infuriating. McLaren's got it way better figured out. Yeah. I, li- I, like the, I love the look of it. I think it's the best looking Ferrari. I just don't like the grill either. That's a value. Yeah. yeah. It's, you are getting on a bit. Right. So the, the thing about the Roma is it, it'll spin the wheels in full track race mode all the time long. It's for such a lovely, sumptuous, yep. sexy car. It is absolutely wild, though. Right. So let's run through this because time's running out. Num- your oh, your, okay, your next one? Land Cruiser 300, the best-selling yes, car on the list. You have to. McLaren GT, fantastic drive. Uh, yep. More comfortable than anything else. Ram TRX. Come on, it's an horsepower. It's a super truck. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain. Rivian R1T. Haven't driven it. You can yell at me. But but I, I did. I, I saw that at the at the Los Angeles Motor Show a few years ago, and I fell in love with it way back then. Truck of the future. Yeah. Truck of the future. Four independent motors. Lots of stuff, like including a gear tunnel, a big hole that you can put stuff in, including a kitchen. Come on. <laughs> it's going to be, once it comes here, everybody's going to want one. But EVs is off-road trucks makes sense because you Much can, more you can use the electricity for hot water showers and you can use it for, st- for light, big lighting systems. You can use it for power tools. So many things. Big fan of, of EVs off-road. Yeah, I mean, you've got the instant talk off-road. You know, the range doesn't really matter. They're comfortable. They're quiet. And think about it. You're off-road. You're outdoors. Be a nice environment. You're not making any noise. Yeah. I mean, some people like the opposite. That's why for those people who buy a TRX, it's the same thing, yeah. but just not as efficient. Okay. Um, my next one is actually number three is an electric car. Once again, I think it's the Citroen DS of the 2022s. The Lucid Air. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. It and does look great, doesn't it? It's American thousand car horsepower. A bit of Saudi investment in that one as well. Quite so. a bit of Saudi investment, but you know what? It's made them better for it. And I think the technology of it, it's really, really showing Tesla what you can do in terms of battery efficiency. They've got way more range. They've got yeah. way more power in much more compact, lighter engines. What's not to love? Yep. So your final The two? price. Yeah. <laughs> Corvette Z06. Yeah. The last hurrah. I mean, that's my last hurrah for the modern performance V8. Sadly, it doesn't have a manual, and I know Chevy can do it, but they just don't want to because why spend the money? Everybody's going to buy these anyway. Flat plane crank V8. I don't even know how much power it has, but it's a lot. It's probably the highest naturally aspirated V8 of all time, well over 600 horsepower. Looks amazing. What a car. And the final car is, I think, the last hurrah of the performance car, the BMW M2 CS. Yes. Yep. That that is BMW's last hurrah, as far as I'm concerned. The BMW 1M loved it. This one, fantastic. And then they kind of lost their way, in my opinion. Anyway, they might never find their way back because electric cars don't have the same guttural yeah. appeal. I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? But the M2CS, six-speed manual, four-seat coupe body, and twin turbos. What, yep. what do you want? Yep. So yep. slides on demand. Commendable list. I like that one. Um, so let's look at uh, 10 cars that are coming for next year. Now, these are just, uh, there's a lot of cars coming out. There's going to be well over 100 new launches next year, around about two per week, which is normal for the industry as they get back on. We're going to be on, quite busy. On, this, on and up speed. Absolutely. We're going to be flat out. So it's hard picking 10, but I'm going to go straight up here and think, right, uh, Ford Ranger, big global launch just the other week. Engineered um, in Australia, surely you must be talking about that. Of course I am. I'm very proud of the guys, but I, I, I'm a fan of the Ranger anyway. I think it's great. Forget the F-150. I think the Ranger is going to be the car for a lot of people that fits their actual lives. Yeah, and and I had the standard Ranger here last year, just just the regular one. Loved it, just to get around for a little bit. It's great. Um, 
General Motors now moving Cadillac with in moving to EVs. Big news next year, as we talked about earlier, the GMC Hummer, but also the Cadillac Lyric. Um, and uh, and then we've got number three, um, the Infiniti QX60. Again, I think Infiniti is an underrated brand here. Um, so that's that's one there. Uh, big news here for this region: Jeep bringing out the Grand Cherokee and the Wagoneer. Now you've you've had a quick sneak at that, I believe. I had a look at those cars. Look really good. I think the Grand Cherokee is nicely modern up to date. Three row seating at last with the Grand Cherokee L. You got the Wagoneer. Wagoneer, I'm not completely convinced about the looks, but it's incredibly yeah. luxurious. Yeah. And both cars have moved up high up market. Absolutely. Uh, Lotus coming back with the Amira. It's the last combustion engine Lotus before they go full EV. Buy um, it. Yeah, absolutely. Maserati too. Finally, a replacement to the Grand, Grand Turismo, a new one. And, of course, they're coming out with the later on uh, the Gricali, the smaller SUV. Not the MC20? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, Hedge your bets. Uh, Porsche. Porsche got a, a whole lot of vehicles which I really like. Macan, the all new Macan. It's a big seller for them. Big one there. Nine Eleven GT Three RS. It's the passion buy. And as I said before, the Taycan Cross Turismo. I think will work really well in this region. Uh, Toyota. Big cars for them as well. The eighty six. The new all new eighty six. And the Lexus LX six hundred that we've previewed earlier. Uh, and then Volvo, the XC40 Recharge, the first electric vehicle from Volvo, and not their last because they're going full EV very soon. Um, and then finally, yeah, the VW Golf R. I think that's um, that's going to be a, a, an interesting one as that as that uh, hits the market next year. Yep, I think all of those look pretty good, except the XC40 Recharge because they're saying the first Volvo, electric Volvo, everybody's doing it. It's not noteworthy. Everybody's doing that now. Yeah, so it is. But then the next one after that, the the, the C40 is a ground-up built EV. So so the XC40 is based on That's the, on the, on the combustion one. Yeah. I drove the C40 Recharge just a few weeks ago, um, and it's, 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 it's really interesting because it is ground-up built as an EV. There's no room for, for an ICE engine in there. It's on, a, it's on a skateboard platform. I think when you start looking at what people like Rivian and Lucid are doing, you start to realize that old manufacturers of – old car manufacturers are in trouble because they've got so much legacy systems they've got to deal with, whereas yeah. these new companies can do anything. They don't not bound by anything from the past. Absolutely. So, um, so that's our list. That's our list of top ten that we've been through, and uh, top ten that are coming out that we believe for for next year. And uh, it's going to be another uh, exciting and uh, and and packed year next year. Imtah Shanjado, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Motormania. And uh, don't forget, the guys on the grill are busy once again this afternoon because they'll be on air from 3 p.m. with all the sporting action. And that includes, of course, the uh, Formula One action. And uh, if you can't get down there because it's all sold out now, you can join us on NBC Action and catch myself and Phil Anson commentating all of it. Free practice three and qualifying this afternoon in just a few hours' time, in fact, and then the race tomorrow evening um, and Formula Four racing down there today as well. And if you missed today's show, you can also listen to it on Dubai1038.com and just look for Motor Media. There is plenty of car advice there. And again, Shan, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you all in a few days' time. And please, enjoy the festive season. Stay safe and be careful on the roads. Bye for now.